Hey everyone, welcome to the OFD Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me once again, Site, uh, Jude, I, I need to start giving you guys some like official titles so I quit stumbling over my intro here. So I'm just going to say Senior Editor Jude Seymour at One Foot Down and uh, the Jester? Fred Rebecca Lindsay? Yeah, I'll, I'll Photoshop, take that title. Photoshop Guru? <laughs> but that, uh, that, that's so singular, tablo, that's so singular in what Brendan does. Uh, See, he does so much, you can't say, like, like at all. Like, like you can't have more titles than me. It's... <laughs> <laughs> and say, and, but to just say like homeschooling Photoshop, savior, like uh, oh man, I don't, I, I don't even know. <laughs> like, like I want to call him my our Rasputin, uh, but uh, <laughs> that that has some very bad connotations moving forward. So how are you guys doing, anyways? Uh, you know. It's it's been a really weird week, but I'm looking forward to having a conversation that has really nothing to do with uh, everything that's kind of been on our TV screens for the last 24 to 48 hours. Uh, I personally have found out that my son is the only one in America that hates screens more than Notre Dame because he has <laughs> taken to uh, stabbing holes in all of the screens in my house uh, with everything that he has because we've had the it, it hasn't been too hot for the AC. Um, so we've had the windows down and he's ruining, systematically ruining all of the screens in my house. So I, uh, I guess I'm taking up how to replace screens now. So that's great. I thought you meant TV screens at first. It is a lot harder than it looks. I thought you meant TV screens at first. So I'm actually kind of glad that it's, uh, screens in your, oh no, he needs those. Yeah. Okay. Replacing screens is a lot harder than it looks. I I had to do a whole, uh, enclosed porch where I, I, where I actually made screens, uh, for it. And, uh, it, it's a little bit of a son of a bit of a bitch. <laughs> I can lie. Yeah, that sounds yeah, I, terrible. I just picture myself uh, ending up as like the Brandon Wimbush of screens. Like I'm Brendan, he's Brandon. Maybe it's something about bees, and we're just <laughs> incapable of of performing screens. And... <laughs> I, I, we might just stop recording right there. That's the podcast. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Be safe out there. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to tip your waitress. (laughs) Try the tune. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As, as Jude uh, alluded to, like, look, man, the the country is, uh, the lack of better for it's on fire right now. And we are, uh, we're tonight and are on this show. Just going to try to give you something that's not that. And, um, it, it, it's a very powerful and, and, and historic and crazy time right now in our country. And it's all very important and it all has a lot of meaning to our lives. Uh, but it's also very stress inducing. A lot of that comes up with a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, uh, for the future. And, and I mean, just, uh, it, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of good that goes with that bad, uh, cause change, you know, is good and change needs to happen. Uh, but it, it's also very stressful. So we're trying, this show, we're not we're not trying to just like gloss past because we know we are not just a stick to sprots uh, kind of a show. You guys know that, um, but uh, at the same time, uh, a little bit of an outlet for you guys just to to escape 
uh, you know, for an hour or so and not have to, uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's an escape, right, Jude? We all need an escape. It's like Rupert Holmes once sang, uh, if you like pina coladas or getting lost in the rain, if you like making love at midnight, that song's called escape. Never mind. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't like pina coladas, but, uh, moving on. Um, Hey, before we uh, before we really get rolling tonight, uh, we got a few uh, reviews, guys. Yeah, you want to hear them? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, uh, just a reminder to everybody: uh, if you go to Apple Podcasts, please, we're at, I'm begging you guys to give us a rating and give us a review, uh, whatever that may be. Uh, but if you do leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I will read that that bad boy uh, verbatim on the show. And and some people have been. Uh, been very kind in their words. Some people have been a bunch of fucking tricksters uh, and, and has slandered my good, uh, you know, my belief system. Uh, but uh, it is what it is. And uh, I'm owning up to it. So let's let's get get to what those are tonight. The first one is a five star rating from Jack Mama Mama. Great podcast. Currently a junior at ND and I've been listening to these guys since high school. I lo- So uh, we interject there for a second. Obviously we carried over from, uh, from what, from Wes and, uh, and Martin. So that's good. I love their energy and sense of humor, but also very informative. They really hate the Navy series to a, an almost unnatural degree. <laughs> LOL. I would highly recommend the podcast, but I also have a question topic. I hope they answer on their upcoming podcast. <clears throat> Can you guys each tell stories of maybe the three best and three worst tailgating moments you've ever been a part of at Notre Dame? I look forward to hearing those stories. Well, thank you once again, Jack Mama Mama, for that review. And uh, we uh, we have a long summer ahead of us. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, I we'll get to that tailgating stuff for sure. <laughs> As we're grasping at straws uh, for things to talk about, uh, I I think we and correct me if I'm wrong, Brendan. We we've talked about tailgating before, right? Uh yeah. Notre Dame is a lifestyle. There was some uh, tailgating in Notre Dame as a lifestyle, right? Yeah, I think I had an elaborate story about the, a very, very long, messy uh, Michigan tailgate. Uh, again, in either 2002, 2004, it's, it's hard to remember. All right. And the next, the, uh, next review here, and this one is from uh, one of my new all-time favorites, and that's from uh, Kathleen Kiefer, uh, which, with her name on here is Binker. One, 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 one foot down is funny and smart and informative. It's like therapy for my neurotic Notre Dame fan syndrome. It makes me a more amusing <laughs> guest at a tailgates. Josh, Brendan and Jude constantly inspire new paintings. For example, on your la- last podcast, Golden Tate with wings, pure genius. It's on the easel now. Fuck yeah. Other examples are Clash Bar Mike and Retro Rockets. I'm always happy when I see you posted a new podcast, the trifecta. Quality plus quantity plus unpredictability. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, Kathleen, uh, you're wonderful. We love you. Everybody check out Kathleen on the interwebs. Kathleen Kiefer artist. That's some good Notre Dame stuff. Good, good. I I am seriously excited for that golden tape painting. I, I about shit myself when, (laughs) when I read that, that she's got that up on the easel. That's, that's fantastic. Oh, shoot. All right. <clears throat> so let, let's get into some business here tonight. There was a recent article on 
uh, on Irish Illustrated, and, and basically it was a, just a transcript. Tom Loy uh, took the time to uh, to type up a transcript of uh, Siri, Sirius XM's uh, full ride with uh, Rick Neuheisel and, and Chris Childers, and uh, it was like 20 minutes long. Uh, so, so Tom, kudos to you for uh, that's a long transcript, bro. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of stuff in here, and, and a lot of it is is things that, um, you know, it's, it's all about Notre Dame here, but a lot of it was like trigger words, <laughs> uh, for a lot of us. And one of the, one of the things that, that stuck out the most is, uh, so this children's cat who, who Brennan knows very well, apparently they, they've, they've had tea. Uh, I, I don't know who this guy is at all, but he, uh, he claims himself to be a Notre Dame fan. Uh, but he says now is the time basically for John Swafford and the ACC to strong arm, strong arm Notre Dame into full ACC membership if they need. Uh, this is all based off of if Notre Dame needs an extra game or two this season because possibly maybe USC or Stanford or both uh, aren't able to play on the schedule. And they would lead on the ACC. And he's saying now is the time for John Swafford to strong arm Notre Dame to become an independent. As if, number one, as if that would change, uh, Notre Dame would change their their entire existence and what they surround themselves being as an independent for one year. One year. Uh, one year. Yeah, one year. So, because it's so important. Uh, so, Jude, I'll throw it to you. Uh, you know, just that alone. Uh, thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Um, Look, I, I didn't listen to to it. I, I scanned the transcript, so I don't know that I've got every nuance of this uh, argument down pat. But I would say that I found it kind of laughable on its face. Um, first of all, John Swafford, at least publicly, has talked about how he likes the Notre Dame deal, um, how it's beneficial for the ACC as a whole, and it's and he understands it's beneficial for Notre Dame. Um, and that if Notre Dame wanted to have conversations about becoming a full-time member in football, that he would welcome that, but they never have those conversations. He never initiates those conversations. Right. And so, you know, this guy was saying, well, you know, I think Arkansas will come because of the, you know, because the SEC always wants to play a good team. I, I, to be honest with you, I was surprised he said Arkansas over say Western Michigan, which at least gets a, a payday out of it. You know what I mean? Arkansas is just a, it's a home for home. So uh, I don't I don't think there's any money that's really swapping hands or if it does, it, it comes back to Notre Dame on the back end. Right. So um, I was a little surprised well, that he kind of to make sure Notre Dame comes to comes right. to Arkansas. So I, I was I was a little surprised at, at, at the kind of the games that he picked and choose. I, I think that the rivalry with USC means as much to USC as it does to Notre Dame. And I think that USC would would go to protect that at all costs. I, I don't know about the Stanford game. So that's that's fair play. But um you know, back to back to his point. Look, John Swafford is absolutely not going to try to use this as leverage. Second of all, it's not going to work uh, for the reasons that we just <laughs> we, we just pointed out, which is, um, you know, I, Pete Sampson did a great article about the value of independence. It was probably about a year ago on The Athletic. Um, and I, I I would send it to anybody who was like, why does Notre Dame just so goddamn, you know, uh, want to be independent, you know, and I would just say, look, this, this is a, it's a whole identity for people. It's, it flows into fundraising. It flows into, um, you know, like who, who we are and, and who has control over us and, and all kinds of, you know, uh, things that are much bigger than, you know, if, if you can get 
nine games on a schedule versus uh, 12 games on a schedule. You know what I mean? I do not worry about Notre Dame this year. I think Notre Dame would even sit out uh, a year and take the loss of revenue over uh, anything that forced them. If the ACC, if the ACC lost its mind and said, we're going to break our contract uh, again, it's a contract, right? With, with Notre Dame, right. it's an, it's an agreement. So they have to provide, uh, you know, the five games or whatever. If, if for some reason the ACC was like, well, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to give you the sixth game or we're going to knock it down to, to two or whatever and stuff like that. You know, then that's when you take them to court. Right. So that's not going to happen. They're not going to throw away this this relationship that they have with with uh, Notre Dame, which is beneficial to them and to their member schools um, just because uh, they think they can force Notre Dame to make a decision. It, it has proven for 100 years it doesn't want to make or it's not willing to make. So um, this is just, you know, look. Sports talk radio guys have to come up with something, right? They have to have something to talk about and to fill 20 minutes apparently. And so, you know, this is fine that he chose this to fill 20 minutes, but don't for one second think. And, and again, we saw this to, to interrupt my own point. We saw this with Tim Brando a couple years ago, right? I've had conversations with Brian Kelly. He hates, um, you know, Notre Dame's schedule. He'd much rather be in a conference I think Notre Dame's going to join the ACC as a full member within three years. Okay, well, that was June of 2016, right? And so we passed June of 2019, and you know Tim's like, oh, it's going to happen someday, right? Look, these guys, they just like to hear themselves talk. They don't have any any kind of inside information. Um, you know, there's nothing, there's no merit to to this. There's there's a thousand options that you can take before you have to take. Uh, join ACC as a full member. And so I just, I don't see it happening. I'm fine with them discussing it on, on sports talk radio because you got to fill the time somewhere, but please don't put any stock into this. Don't put any merit into this. I think this is just a guy who doesn't really understand the relationship here. Um, just kind of talking out of, out of, out of, uh, out of his ass. Frankly. I believe the word you're looking for is uh, he's bloviating. Yes. Yep. Just like, just like a Brando. Just like a Brando, and Ch- I don't, I don't know. I, I, I've listened to, to. It used to just be Sirius XMU, and now it's uh, ESPNU. And Childers has been on there basically since the start, and he plays this role. I don't know. It's almost like a minstrel role of being a Notre Dame fan, where he was like, "Oh, when I was a kid, I used to go to Notre Dame games with my dad, and I grew up a Notre Dame fan, and you know this and that." But every time he ends up talking about Notre Dame, and when you hear him. Um, construct tried to constructively break down anything about Notre Dame. Like there were times that in 2012 when he would say Everett Golston, and oh. you just like you go, you, like he's like I'm a Notre Dame fan, you know the, the dome and the grotto, and and then you know in the same sentence he goes on to say Golston, and you just you're like oh my gosh, but I don't know it's <laughs> from. I guess I can sort of understand what he's saying is I guess you're looking at it from like a political standpoint of never let a good crisis go to waste. But if you're the ACC, you're not going to use COVID-19 as an excuse to strong arm Notre Dame. That's an awful look. You don't use this as an excuse to that's 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 horrible. And then on top of that, and so Notre Dame picks up their ball and they go home, and I'm sure there's other conferences. I'm sure Notre Dame could work something out because of the the relationship that Jack has uh, with members of the Big 12. Um, 
they could probably work out something with the Big 12, a similar deal with the Big 12, and I'm sure the Big 12 would jump all over it. And the ACC, what they would lose is, look at Clemson's schedule without this Notre Dame arrangement this year. So if you pluck Notre Dame off of Clemson's schedule this year, if they beat Notre Dame this year, Clemson can lose a game. They can go 13-1 and and lose a game. But if Notre Dame's not on their schedule, and let's say they drop a game to um, Louisville early in the season, or they, they drop a game, um, they play boss at Boston College on a Friday. That's It's a weird, right, Friday kicks are weird in the ACC. Let's say you, they Clemson, uh, they do an old-fashioned Clemson to Boston College, and Notre Dame's not on the schedule. If Notre Dame's not on the schedule, Clemson's probably not going to the playoffs with, with the schedule that they have. It's so weak. And Notre Dame provides the ACC a nice rotating sort of powerhouse school that they can say, hey, look, we played Notre Dame, which is exactly what Clemson used Notre Dame for in 2015, right? Yeah. I mean, if if <laughs> Clemson, if Notre Dame and Clemson don't play each other and Clemson just goes about their season, I, I mean, it it they they went undefeated, certainly. Um, which helped uh, to get them where they needed to be. But um, playing that Notre Dame game is really what was a springboard for their entire season. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about that before in the past and if there's the Clemson today, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's really, if it's, I mean, I, I, I'll say it. I mean, Clemson today would not be where they're at without that fifth, that 2015 game. I mean, if it was fucking Iowa, uh, you know, are are they exactly where they're at? And you could say yes, and you'd be perfectly good in saying so. But, I mean, there's just a – there's been a, a myth uh, – not a myth, but just kind of like – well, like myth building. Like 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 building this this whole uh, – the thing up about Clemson as a giant, it has to start somewhere, right? Just like David – King of, the, king of the Israelites had to slay Goliath. Not saying Notre Dame was a Goliath, but it was that kind of moment. If you don't believe me, go go watch that uh, that disgusting post game interview with uh, with Dabo Sweeney after the 2015 game. Bring that your own like guts. A, that was like winning a national title for him because he under you know I, I'm not a big Sweeney fan, but I but I do admire him in the sense of that guy knows exactly what he's doing uh, and. For what uh, for what that game meant, that it was like winning a national championship because it 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 it's from board Clemson onto that national scene where instead of Clemsoning and and all the other shit that they were they've been trying to get rid of and they were recruited they got good players and and all that but they just keep slipping. Here's a game, regardless of what you might think of Notre Dame, where they were able to to seal the deal and really uh, catapult them in, into the national conversation. It all started right then on that, on that rain soaked night. And that's why that game was so big. That's why it was huge. That's why Dabo Sweeney went fucking nuts after the game. It, it, I'm not making this shit up to, you know, to bolster up who Notre Dame is. I mean, that <laughs> many teams have, have built a season around beating a, a shitty Notre Dame team. Uh, but th- that was a good Notre Dame team. And Dabo knew exactly what, what they were doing. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's insane to think, just to go back to what your point is, it's insane to think that the ACC would even try this. Like, like there's no way in hell because number one, as Jude mentioned, there's a fucking contract in place. So it's not like anything has to change 
all it is is if, if Notre Dame needed an extra game or two, what what the suggestion is is that they would lean on their partner, the ACC, who they have every sport in besides hockey and football, uh, and maybe another uh, thing, but regardless. And somebody who you have a five-game uh, series with each year, uh, six games so happens to be this year, and that you would look to them for a little bit of help because – you know, what you do affects them as just as much as what they do affects you in a, in a way. So it's not outrageous. So if they say no, which do you think if, if some of these ACC teams, if they lose games this season and Notre Dame's like, hey, we got a couple slots open. Uh, you you want to fucking play us? You think any of them are turning that down? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think you got two opportunities here, right? If you if you're playing in front of fans. Um, and you can fill your stadium to capacity, then you would never say no to Notre Dame. I, I think that you know they put out that um, they put out that uh, graphic for a couple of years now about how they've you know they're the they're the um, the tide that rides all uh, raises all boats, right? And so right. when you come to Wake Forest, it's the biggest game that Wake Forest has seen in years. When you come to you know Boston College, it's always the you know what I mean, like um, you know just so sort of how they have that impact on uh, the ACC teams. And, and they obviously want to tout that. Now, if you don't have fans, I still think it's a good deal because it's a marquee game. And if you beat Notre Dame, um, obviously that, that does a lot for you in terms of national perception, uh, as long as Notre Dame's having a good year. And I think that's, what's important about that 2015 discussion, which is, it's not only just that Clemson beat Notre Dame, but that Notre Dame was good that year. They weren't the 2016 Notre Dame team. I think Clemson would get no credit for beating a four and eight team, but they, you know, get tons of credit for beating a, t- a 10 and three team that was right. clearly not the caliber of, uh, you know, Ohio state that year, but was probably in that, the top of that second tier, you know, uh, depending on how you want to do your tiers. But, uh, I just think that's, I, I think it's important that, that either way, sort of Notre Dame is an attractive option for people. And if yes, and I think if there were openings, that they would be fielding phone calls and, and I don't worry about them being able to fill as many games as, as they need to. Um, that's, that's really not a concern. And I, and I, so that's why I think that this idea that if they went to the ACC and the, and they said, Hey, you know, we could really use three more games against, uh, some of this ACC competition, the ACC could certainly would be within the rights to say no. And Notre Dame, I don't think would take, would be offended by that. Um, but I don't think that the ACC would ever say, we'll be happy to give you those three games. If you commit, if you sign a new contract saying that you're going to join our, join our conference full-time as a football member, I just, I think Notre Dame would say, okay, I guess we'll find the three other games from anyone else. You know, is the, so is the ACC, are they even a nine game? Uh, they're eight game. Yes. They're eight. <laughs> like, no, we're not giving you more conference games than the, than the rest of them. <laughs> you know. There's only three conferences of the, the, I mean, really it's just, um, the SEC and the ACC are both eight. The Big Ten, the Big Twelve, and the Pac-12 are all nine. So it is it is kind of funny when people say if they move to a conference games plus one schedule, um, the SEC does not want to play nine conference game under any circumstances. Uh, and the other point I think that we also haven't said when he was uh, Childers was discussing it is he he went to that tired old trope of he wants the Notre Dame and the uh, the Big Ten which is something yeah. that drives me absolutely bonkers. And when he was, was going say, in, he's his one little, of those fans. Yeah. He's he goes into, 
when he's in his diatribe for it, he goes, I want Notre Dame to play Michigan every year and they need to play Ohio state every year and they need to play Wisconsin every year. And it's like, what sport are you watching when you, you want them to play just, just mythically put Notre Dame against all of the top tier competitions. There's ACC schools, right? Or, uh, there's actually big 10 schools that haven't played each other more than twice in a decade span. Yeah, let's, so you, let's, let's, throw, let's make sure we throw Rutgers into that mix. Yeah, let's put Rutgers into that mix. It's just it's <laughs> maddening when you think about that. Like, well, last year there were two ACC schools that had to play each other out of conference. It was North Carolina. Was it North Carolina? And yeah, North, Duke, right? And Duke. They had to yeah. play out of conference because they hadn't played in like a decade. <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely incredible. It. I, mean, I think it, it also got a little it got a little weird for me when when I think it was New the Heisel who that said I think Brian Kelly's the best coach that our names ever had. No, Ch- like, no Childers, Childers said that. Oh, did and Childers I, say that? Yeah, and I was gonna I was gonna read the I was gonna read this part of it. Um, okay, uh, but I mean, but it was the part after that. But yeah, Childers basically says that uh, uh, he thinks uh, Brian Kelly's the best uh, coach Notre names ever in Notre Dame history. Uh, he says, you know, every Notre Dame player flipped me off uh, and that you suck uh, for saying this. Uh, but th- th- here's his reasoning. <clears throat> and, uh, I, w- and part of this is 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 why I, I was really like, no one understands fucking anything. OK, so it says uh, you go to South Bend on a Saturday and it's all the same crap. Same expectation as 1977. But the game of college football has evolved significantly. Go to any of these college campuses and go look at what they're playing with. You go look at Notre Dame. It's beautiful. It's charming. Go look at Alabama, and it's like you're walking into the Jetsons. Go to Oregon. You're walking into the Jetsons. Kids like Space Age. I don't know how many kids like tradition, but they love the future. Some might, but they love the future. All these other schools got it. On top of that, they got complexes that are very, very state-of-the-art. Notre Dame is okay. The Guggenheim I've been into far better. (laughs) No, I mean, wow, it, it goes into some nonsense, but the, the part that sticks out to me the most out of all this fucking bullshit is the fact you bring Oregon into the fucking mix. Remind me when Oregon has won a national championship Never. and why, why is that the team that you think you can't get over the hump with? Oh, it's because, I'll, because of all the recruits you've lost to Oregon recently, right? Right. Yeah. All uh, of them. There was a, and there was a, um, they lost Braden Lindsay to Oregon, right? Uh, they did, and then they got him back. Oh yeah, they got him back. That's right. Ayo, ayo. <laughs> and he he completely dismisses the fact that Notre Dame played for a national championship in 2012. Dismisses the fact they were in the college football playoff in 2018 because they lost. So completely dismiss it. But yet you put fucking Oregon up on the same pedestal as Alabama, and re- remind me again, what have they won? Nothing. Jack ever. shit. So, I mean, w- w- with all their jets and space age shit, and I'm not trying to diss on Oregon. I, I mean, Oregon rarely comes up in my conversation other than uh, the chuckles I get with, uh, I mean, maybe the guy wa- listens to a lot of solid verbal is why he brought up uh, Oregon. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but that's basically where I get my Oregon info from is from fucking Dan Rubenstein. Uh, but considering them as, as a, as one of these programs, above Notre Dame, you're not going to fucking sell me on that ever until they, until they show it ever. I, I mean, what, what have they done? You want to say Alabama's up there. Clemson's up there. Absolutely. Ohio state. Yes. 
Uh, but Oregon? Really? Oregon hasn't done anything of note since the 2014 season. And that was, what, uh, Helfrich's second year, and it's been a coaching carousel since. So, so Brendan, let me, so, Brendan let, me, let me ask you a question. Yeah. How many hours a day is Childers on the radio? Uh, three hours. They're on there for okay. three hours. So, so what they gotta, do— He's got to fill 15 hours a week of time? Yeah, and the for, the way that the format does is they'll take what they'll do is they'll do a segment like that. They'll do a twenty minute segment, and then they'll spend the next forty to um, you know, and then maybe after about forty minutes they'll mix in another segment, and then they they open lines to callers. So it's one of those shows where um, they'll bring up a hot button topic, and then they'll open it up to callers, and a lot of the callers are a lot of the callers are people down in. SEC country and um, you know the uh, SiriusXM has a lot of people. It's people who are tuned into the radio during the day, so um, a lot of truck drivers, um, you know, a lot of uh, degenerate college football fans. So a lot of SEC Sale, fans sales like reps me. on the road. Uh, sales so reps on the road. That's where this, I have a lot of This mine. is Paul. This is Paul Feinbaum on a smaller level or less less of a stature, right? Uh, yeah, it's like. It, it's it's sort of like that. It, thing, it is a lot. I mean, like New Heisel seemed New Heisel seemed pretty. I mean, New Heisel seemed really reserved, which like, is was, very did, weird. It was. It I was did not get of, a whole lot of hot takes out of New Heisel, and and I mean, I, I had just, no. He Childers has a lot of respect for Brian Kelly here. Well, do you remember New Heisel was bringing the heat? Um, it was the 2018 season. Is New Heisel brought a lot of heat, and I think it was before. And he was one of the people that called the Notre Dame game with um, Aaron Taylor. And leading up to that game, he was kind of a son of a bitch um, about Notre Dame. And I don't know if maybe Aaron Taylor sat him down because um, they're broadcast partners. Did you do a Luca Brazzi thing? Yeah, I don't know if he if if Taylor like wrapped an arm around New Heisel and like. <laughs> <laughs> sort of introduced because New Heisel's a you know West Coast UCLA USC kind of yeah, guy. yeah. UCLA Washington guy. right Colorado Washington, uh, yeah, UCLA, Washington West Coast guy. UCLA Colorado yeah. um, but I don't know if Aaron Taylor maybe uh, had a come to Jesus moment with him and but he he has seemed to have uh, been a little bit uh, softened on uh, Notre Dame in recent years and yeah it was odd to hear him like he kind of stuck up for Notre Dame in a lot of aspects it was odd. Well, I, I thought it was funny that he let Childers go off in this this fantasy rant, and then he finally said, "Well, I don't know the details of the contract. I don't even <laughs> think Child, I don't even think Childers was acknowledging there was a contract. He made it sound like it was like a handshake deal from the 1930s or something, where it was just like, yo, what is as good as your bond, sir? You know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, Jack Jack Swarbrick's a lawyer. Like, I'm sure this is ironclad, you know, and it's just like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe somebody knows this better than I do. Doesn't I think it's till 2030 that Notre Dame has um, basic exclusivity with the ACC where if they yeah, want if they to join a conference, conference they have to. it's got to be with the ACC. And I think that yeah. runs through 2030 for some reason. I, I've got that stuck in my head. But uh, so this whole idea that they're going to run off and join the Big 12, I always just like I always say to people, like, just do five minutes of Internet research. Like, first of all, they had that opportunity in uh, 1999 and said, no, thanks. Um, and in 2010. Yeah. And the situation really not has not changed there. And then obviously they have this deal uh, in place with the with the ACC. So, um, look, as much as you might want, uh, I don't want Michigan, Ohio State and Wisconsin on the schedule every year. I don't I, I wouldn't imagine those three teams play each other all three of those every single year. Right. That's not a thing that happens. No. 
Absolutely yeah, so, not. So why would you make it harder on Notre Dame? I, I, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to well, me. Well, if you were so. to add Notre Dame to the Big Ten, like, do you know how many? So uh, Texas A&M joined um, the SEC in 2011, right? Do you know how many times they've played Georgia since they joined Once. the SEC? One time. Once. It was one time, and it was last year. The first time they ever played in almost a decade, they played one time. Well, it's like so, Nebraska and the – it's like Nebraska and the Big Ten. Like, it, you know, I love, I love the Big Ten. Like, they swallow up everything, right? So, like, all of Nebraska's national championships are now the Big Ten's. <laughs> I don't know just, if you want just, just, like, just like the Big Ten is like the greatest. Today? Big Ten is the greatest lacrosse conference in the history of mankind because they swallowed <laughs> up fucking John Hopkins and Maryland. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> who haven't won a national championship since they've been in? But like, and also the point is too is like, like. For no, what I couldn't. One of the things that's kept standing out with that is, is the way Childers kept throwing out how arrogant it is, which just goes to show like people that talk about Notre Dame as an independent absolutely has no understanding why they're independent and the history of it all and the fact that you know Notre, Notre Dame wasn't seeking to be independent from the get go. They were forced to be this. And just think of in your life, like if if you were uh, if you were forced to make it on your own, right? Uh, and then people are like trying to tell you to like join this conglomerate. And you're like, you know what? Fuck that. I did all this on my own. I'm not going to, you know, there's not, it's not an arrogance. It's, it's, you were, you were developed, you were shaped and informed to be, to live this kind of a life. And it's working out for you uh, really well. So why would you change it? And Nebraska is an excellent point too. Like I think people make, way bigger issue out of the whole recruiting aspect with, you know, which conference you're in and all this shit and, and where you play games. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Like, I think people make it a way bigger issue than it is, but take Nebraska, for example, like what has Nebraska really accomplished since they've gone to the big 10 other than lose their, what used to be their expansive talent roster that from Texas, like recruiting in Texas, they're, they, they don't play in that state anymore. So it's, if you don't play in that state, it's very hard like ever. It's very hard to like get those relationships with coaches, get those relationships with players. It, it all boils down to relationships. So it, it was not a, a very good move for Nebraska uh, for the field, for the, for, for pocketbooks. It was a great move and it was absolutely why they did it. Uh, but you know, as far as field play, it just hasn't worked out. Notre Dame, is smarter than all that. They know what they have. They know what they have to do. The era that we're in, that we're in right now with the coronavirus only sh- highlights that even more. Like Notre Dame is not in an area where they can stay just in that area and become uh, a, and st- be a national power. They have to go out of the state of Indiana, out of the tri-state area, to get talent. They have to be seen. They have to be known uh, throughout the country to help get, pull the talent they need from all over the, the, you know, the, the country. So to regionalize them just puts the handcuffs on them and makes them weaker. It, it totally diminishes who they are as a football program. It's not arrogance. It's fucking survival. I, I, I guess that one, one final thing. And then I think we can stop talking about this guy maybe, but um, the idea that Western Michigan wouldn't come down from Kalamazoo, which is, I gotta be, believe is only about two hours away from South Bend. Would, would that be fair? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. That they wouldn't come down for their, for their million dollars. Doesn't seem like, I mean, I would think Western would want to keep that game, right? I, there's from Western's perspective, I, I don't see why they would. If they're, if be, they're playing football, it's Western an hour Michigan, and 25. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a quick drive. There's no way they're not coming. If they're yeah. playing football. Yeah. And it just seems that, like a no brainer. So if Mac Arkansas is going to be dependent on those paychecks that they get from schools like Notre Dame, because I would, the, I would think so. They built it into their budget, right? Oh, we're going to get this money from Notre Dame, and so Absolutely. if they don't, if they don't get the money and they forfeit, then all of a sudden they might be looking at paying money too, which is crazy, you know. So they're de- they're definitely coming. I, I just if we're having football, Western Michigan's going to be there. I just I, I don't know. Yeah. I, again, gonna, I hate to beat a dead horse, but I'm really not worried about the 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 uh, the schedule and if. And if Childers is, then that's that's on him, and he's maybe he's just trying to fill time or whatever. But like, I, this is really not a thing that Notre Dame fans should be worried about. I don't think. No, Notre Dame can keep the six. If Notre Dame, Notre Dame will keep the six ACC teams, which means they play Clemson. They can fill out the other six teams on the, I guess, five teams because Navy will be there. They don't even need to play Wisconsin or Arkansas or Stanford or USC. They can fill out the rest of the schedule with MAC schools. And if you beat Clemson, it doesn't matter. You're going to the playoff, and that's the goal, right? right. So, yeah, I, I don't. And and I, just, I think, so, I think someone money. put it out somewhere else where, yeah, if Notre Dame, if, if I think they're pretty, they're they're pretty certain that Notre Dame's schedule will be just played the way it is, other than the possibility of SC and Stanford. And I, I think it was Priester who who had said. He wasn't sure that they were even they, that they were that hell bet on getting two games to replace SC and Stanford. Like, yeah. like if those games are lost, they may just say the hell with it and just play ten games. So, like, so to tie this in, to think that you could strong arm them when they don't give a fuck anyways <laughs> would be literally it'd make you look like an idiot. Yeah. Well, one thing too is David Shaw's come out in recent uh, in the in the recent week. Um, Essentially, given the old Mark Twain paraphrasing, Mark Twain saying, um, you know, uh, news of my death uh, may be premature. Because um, he's he's spinning this. He's saying we're going to be playing football in the fall and teams are using this as a recruiting tactic against us. And David Shaw is very bullish on the fact that they will be playing football um, in 2020 in the fall. And how bullish was he about the 25 transfers out at the end of the uh, year? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I mean, people might be, people might just think that Stanford doesn't have a team to fill. <laughs> well, they don't have an offensive line, um, so they they do have that going for them. I think they have like I don't know, they have like six or seven scholarship offensive linemen. I'm sure they'll be fine. Uh, but he seems to be pretty certain that they're playing. So uh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame hasn't played, hasn't failed to play USC since 1945, and that was because of the war. Yeah. Like, do we honestly think they're not playing USC like that? No, I, I think I, that game's, am, am I naive? I think that game means, as, I, 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 am I naive? I think that game means as much to USC as it means to Notre Dame. Sure does. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't see that. I, I think they play the 12 game. I, I mean, I think it all ends up happening, uh, but we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're actually going to talk about, um, about that, uh, but in a different, different little way. So uh, stay with us. All right, we are back. And so just to recap, uh, 
Childers doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> and, and this this Notre Dame schedule for 2020. Uh, something that came out re- recently was uh, on the Irish Illustrated uh, Insider podcast. Tim O'Malley had said, uh, and I put it up on, on the site, uh, that you know, according to two sources that he's talked with, uh, Notre Dame and Lambeau uh, isn't happening. Not the game itself. The game itself is, it would still be a go. It would end up being played inside Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, but he's saying his sources are saying it's not happening in Lambeau. Today, then, uh, I put that article out. And then today, uh, uh, there's a story out that says, didn't say anything about sources that just said Wisconsin uh, denies that this has even been talked about. Uh, so <laughs> take it for what it is. Uh, I, I, I find that the that the guys at Irish Illustrated are pretty reliable and, and pass it on. Uh, when they go public with information like that, I, I think it's pretty good – solid information and solid sources that they have. So, but what, what the kind of the gist of it was, is that just because the NFL is going to be playing football and their, and their, their stadiums are going to be ready to go. Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that the, the, the schools would be comfortable with, with that. They'd be more comfortable with using the facilities that they are grown accustomed to. So not only this game against Wisconsin and Lambeau, but I guess if that's the case, then then you have to look at, um, you know, Georgia Tech at Mercedes-Benz. You'd have to look at Wake Forest at uh, uh, in Charlotte at uh, was that USA Bank Stadium? Uh, it's called oh, Bank all, of America, but yeah, big yeah, Bank of America. I'm sorry. Uh, that's all very real po- possibilities. Like th- these might that might be the situations, and especially if we're talking about reduced seating. Like yeah. where you're going to have, you know, you're not going to have a full house and, you know, for Notre Dame, especially like the Shamrock series. And, and I, I kind of half-ass mentioned this in the article is like part of the Shamrock series, like allure is the whole like bit of fucking events surrounding the game um, it, at the location. There's the pep rallies. There's the, you know, all this, all the shit that goes on. But in the, in the day and age that we're living in right now with, with, with the COVID-19 stuff, it's hard to see any of that happening. So what exactly is the point of playing there now? It starts all, all the reasons why you, why you do this start falling by the wayside. Like they, they all start like getting knocked the fuck out. So go, you know, just have the two schools coming together saying, all right, you know, this, this isn't going to be the way we had thought we need to rearrange this. It's, you know, play this at MD stadium. And then, then instead of playing, uh, that neutral site game, uh, you know, at, at Soldier Field in, two, in 2021 against Wisconsin, then that goes up to Camp Randall. That seems like a pretty, pretty reasonable situation. I mean, re- pretty a reasonable deal considering what's going on. Um, and you were but, holding onto that monkey's paw, and you you saw the finger <laughs> close, right? You saw the finger close when you said I, that I, you don't want. I have been accused of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happens with here's with maybe who knows? Here's the only thing that I was thinking: if you have it at Notre Dame Stadium, you bring it to Notre Dame Stadium, and you and you have limited fans, right? So Notre Dame's not allowed to maximize its revenue because of the COVID thing. But then you take it to Camp Randall in 2021, and what Wisconsin is able to maximize its revenue, sure. assuming that we're all playing normally, right? Isn't that isn't that an issue for Notre Dame? Uh, I mean. You just got to take it year by year. I mean, I just think that this is an extraordinary time and an extraordinary kind of event where I mean, it wouldn't matter. Like, like 
because the arrangement they're not going to get that, re- they're gonna get the that revenue. They're not going to get that revenue at Lambo, anyways. Well, no, well, no, no, no. What I'm saying is, if you bring it to if you bring no, it to Wisconsin, or if you bring it to Notre Dame, do you, do you automatically have to bring it to Wisconsin, or is there a discussion to be had about how we could both benefit each other I, by bringing I it back to a neutral site? Well, the, the way that the neutral site was set up for both of them is that they were Wisconsin splitting the pot. To, to moving it to Notre Dame Stadium as opposed to Lambeau, <clears throat> then they would, I would say force, but that would ha- I would imagine that would be part of their, the deal that they would come up with, with Notre Dame is then now there's no longer Soldier Field, you can come up to Camp Randall. It, it just, you know, it does. And meanwhile, you just, you just helped Wisconsin there. sell, I mean, you just helped yeah. Wisconsin sell 70,000 tickets to yeah, Wisconsin absolutely. fans you, instead well, of. Well, you did. Seven. I didn't say anything was fair, but I mean, that, that, that's what you, that's, that's the, uh, that's the price you pay. Like, are, if, are you, if they were to do that, why wouldn't they just the, honor the original agreement? Yeah. And, why, why wouldn't they just split the, 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 cause, cause the way that it was working when they had soldier in Lambeau is that both schools would split the attendance pot. So Notre Dame would get half of the attendance revenue, and Wisconsin would get half of the attendance the revenue for both of, games. The, the change wasn't revenues; it was, it was more along the lines of safety and, and them knowing, and them as schools knowing the Notre Dame knowing the venue that they're in. I mean that that was the that was what the, was brought up as the, as the issue. Who was doing yeah, this? I, I to be honest with you, this is the same school that said that students have to be on campus because they have a moral obligation. Like I, I just, I, I refuse to believe there isn't a revenue uh, consideration here. So um, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, but, you, but you're trying, the whole point is, is, tw- is 2020 is a different, is a different monster than 2021. I understand that, that as far as like, yes, you just got them, got them this deal, blah, blah, blah. And maybe that's something you work into on the deal. I don't know, but I, I can't imagine if the, if the game is moved from Lambeau to Notre Dame stadium, that they would go ahead and have the game in 2021 in soldier field, which they fucking shouldn't. It's a goddamn horrible stadium anyways. But besides all that, I, it's, it's a, it's a one-off. It's just kind of like it's scratched to, to, to the moment. Uh, basically. Uh, I so, just, so the good news though, is that Notre Dame might finally get to play Pitt at their on-campus football stadium, right? Because they've always – like seemingly they play at Heinz Field notes. every year. Check um, wait, what, 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 no, Pitt, Pitt has, Pitt's a major college football program. They don't play at a professional stadium as their home games, right? What, Check your notes. Oh, oh no. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, man. You know what's oh, funny? sorry, Pitt. <laughs> you know what's funny, Brendan? Is, yeah. uh, is, is for years I've, I've been uh, – I've had a, a friendly – I've had friendly conversations with uh, some pit fans and, and guys that run pit uh, websites. And, and I'm, a, I'm like, I was a big, uh, I was a big backer with them, you know, about getting the pit to get their uniforms back uh, to what it was like, fuck. Yeah. You know, get rid of this trash that you got, go back to the pit script and the old colors. That shit was great. Uh, but I was also like, why the hell are, are you guys like screaming for uh, your own stadium? I'm like fuck playing at Heinz, you know, it's, it's just so sterile. And their their response was, "Do you know where we're at? Like the old stadium was fucking atrocious, and now it's all filled up with bullshit. There's nowhere to put it. Like there's yeah. nothing. Like we've sold ourselves for for it's high like school. It's like my. It is basically like it is what it is. Yeah. I, 
it is uh, what it is. Uh, any chance I get, I got my in-laws are all from Pittsburgh. So any chance I get to do a little pit n- Duncan. Hey, Brendan, tell, is there a story to be told here? If I recall correctly, Bob Davey went into that stadium in 1999 and lost there. And it was the last home game for Pitt. And at the end, didn't they bring out an ambulance or a hearse or something and put the spirit of the Pitt fandom into a box and carry it over to like Heinz Field or something like that? Am I completely making this up? Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I remember losing the Pitt. Yeah, that would definitely happen. Uh, if that I I oh my god I I don't know if that happened but if that happened that might be the coolest thing that the University of Pets ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's very very like new age, uh very occulty uh, type Oregon energy kind of shit. That's uh, uh that'd be pretty awesome. That, that I'm telling you if if Notre Dame imploded, uh, I I almost think I'd have to be a Pit fan. Uh, <laughs> If they were if they were channeling that kind of voodoo, I I think yeah. I could get back on. I think I could get on board because my wife's already converted me to the Steelers. So, but I don't think she would ever go to. I mean, no. I mean the the uniform change and then the move to like occult beliefs and energy. Uh, fuck it. And the fact Did, that they have a super. In fact, what are their thoughts a top, on a top five team? Yeah, then we can at least have a team that that wins the quote unquote big games. You're just going uh, seven and five every year. Yeah, I'll lose everybody else. <laughs> you're, you're you're right there every year, but right there. <laughs> I mean, what what do you th- <laughs> what do you think Pitt fans bitch about on the off season? I mean, so, <laughs> I mean, like, what what kind of conversations are those? Do you, do you have the guys thinking that you're like you're right there? You beat you beat Clemson. You could beat anybody if you just didn't suck. I <laughs> just think they're really upset that Pat Narduzzi is steadfast in his refusal to wear a Pittsburgh mustache. And every off season they spend, they're just like, <laughs> why won't Pat Narduzzi grow a goddamn mustache? Every resident of the city of Pittsburgh over the age of 45 has a mustache. Why is Pat Narduzzi bucking this trend? You think you're better than us? <laughs> you better you think you're better than Bill Cower or, or uh, <laughs> think you're better than Cower? Oh, Dave, you think you're better than Dave Wanstead? Huh? Yeah, Wanstead, he had a stash too. Yeah, they all had that stash. <laughs> all, right, I don't know. All, right. all right, guys, I'm sorry. I got to tell this story because it's, it's amusing to me. So this nope. is from the, the PittsburghPanthers.com website. Uh, it was very appropriate. Pitt's stirring victory over Notre Dame in the final minute ever played at Pitt Stadium had ended about 20 minutes ago. People had seen more everywhere, in the stands, on the field, on the goalposts. When things finally came to order, an elegant figure was escorted to the center of the field with a wooden box. It was all-time great running back Marshall Goldberg, who was charged with the responsibility of, quote, capturing the spirit of Pitt Stadium. <laughs> with 60,000 people in attendance cheering madly, Goldberg slowly closed the lid of the box and then left in a Brinks truck. That took place on November 13th, 1999. The box has since been stored in Pitt's Hall of Fame at its practice complex, but Goldberg returned to Pittsburgh on September 27, 2001 to let the spirit loose in Heinz Field prior to the Panthers game with Miami. That is magisterial. For a while, this game was on YouTube. And I remember 
I don't remember why I tuned in or maybe I was, maybe I was reading about it and I was like, I got to check this out or whatever. And the whole presentation was there and it's literally like, nobody knows what's going on. So it's because they're, I don't think they're like PA announcing it. Um, and so there's just this guy who comes out and he's like whipping the crowd up or whatever. And, uh, you know, they needed a guy out there like in black robes. They needed to light some fucking candles, and throw then down it's a pentagram, a, and then he closes the box and it's over. You know, so Hold up. so Pitt and Notre Dame—that's a rivalry. They've played each other seventy times. There's only three schools. I think it's three schools: Michigan State, USC, and Navy that Notre Purdue, Dame has played. Produce, the, Purdue, played a yeah, lot. Purdue, Purdue. So, so they're fifth, right? Seventy, yeah, seventy. Purdue. So. Yeah. Why don't they have a rivalry trophy that's the spirit of Pitt Stadium? And they can play for the goddamn spirit of Pitt Stadium. That spirit was Bob Davies' soul being sucked out in his second season. I mean, season. maybe that Why should be an they- assignment for our, for our listeners. Like, come up with a uh, Pitt Notre Dame. Like, we got them for everybody else. So, yeah, why? We should just, we might as well have one for, uh, for fucking Pitt. So, let, let's ACC come up with The arrangement's going to put them on the schedule on a more regular basis than Sparty. So yeah. let's get pit. Let's get pit some sort of rivalry trophy. And I don't think that it would be a bad. Let's play for the spirit okay. of Pitt stadium. The spirit coffin. I also yeah, you play a, for it. You got to like a bad, that's a badass rivalry bearers, Like bring it out. Since we're, we're <laughs> also going down the undertaker music. <laughs> yes. Since we're also going down the pit rabbit hole. I want you to know that Notre Dame, uh, official website uh, uploaded to YouTube the 2004 pit game and left the post game interview between Lewis Johnson and Tyler Palco in there. So you can watch Tyler Palco uncensored. Thanks to the university of Notre Dame. So Tyler if you haven't, Palco. if you haven't already availed yourself to that, uh, you know, and skip the game, skip the game, just go to the, the post game press conference. Uh, Cause it's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, it had to get, I mean, we're already in the weeds on some shit, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, Pitt, I, I have, you guys know, I have like this, I have this, uh, undying affinity for Notre Dame, Michigan state, but uh, you know, as like my number two to you to Notre Dame, USC, uh, Pitt's right there. Pitt's more important to me than Purdue, uh, yeah. by far. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, we need to, maybe we need to make that more of a thing. Uh, there's some, I mean, the Notre Dame Pitt series is wild as fuck anyways. It can be wild as fuck or boring as hell. Uh, and most cases it's been pretty wild and, and not in Notre Dame's favor in some cases, but uh, yeah, like a, the spirit coffin, man. Oh my God, that would be fantastic. I mean, they don't bring it out to the state. They don't bring them out to the field fucking anyway. So we can, but you can make up anything and say, yeah, that's what it is. Bring this one out. I, 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 you know what? I can make a spirit coffin and do it all up. And then the next time Pitt beats Notre Dame, give it to Pitt. And then, it, then it, that's that's how it becomes the rivalry trophy. You would never know it when Notre Dame wins. Maybe it gets shipped to him, and then Kelly just makes another slot, uh, <laughs> you know, in the office for it. But uh, they probably wouldn't say no. It's not like it's, we just get rid of it like the Northwestern trophy. It's got to be like a full size coffin, and the players got to like <laughs> carry it onto the field. Full. I mean, I, I think Notre, you would confuse Notre Dame fans. They would probably think it's the same coffin uh, that they used uh, in the 1977 SC game. Um, yeah. You know, they're carrying around campus, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't. Jude, did they, did somebody redo that in in 05? What, wasn't there wasn't there a group of uh, students or fans 
going around with with that uh, doing the same thing, the Barry SC with the coffin. Yeah, that sounds that sounds vaguely familiar. I don't know. That was yeah, after thought, my time. I thought so, they broke it out again. That, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, almost worked. Almost. All right. Well, <laughs> let's you know, the, the other thing I'm sad about, and if if you allow me to, uh, there was the 2004 Notre Dame Michigan game is the one where you can see Josh on television. Uh, oh yes, with the Puka Shell and they replayed the game the other day. And as they're part of their watch series and they cut after like basically after the cl- the clock went to zero, 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 they cut away so that they could do full screen on Jack Nolan and talking to Brady Quinn. So you actually were denied uh, the oh, those the, motherfuckers, the official picture of uh, of Josh running around in his cut off shirt and his visor and his puka shell necklace. So am I am my uh, like orange hair? Uh <laughs> <laughs> it was dyed at that time too, I believe. Too much sun in, huh? I, I, I was very, I was very early aughts, very early aughts. Yeah, crazy times. <laughs> when when frosted tips go wrong. I mean, it wasn't a good look. I mean, and I'm not talking about the puka shells and the visor and all that. Uh, <laughs> be, be given the, be given the nasty look to the very diminutive uh, Tommy Zimikowski was not a good look. But oh, those bastards that would have been funny. That would have been funny as hell. <laughs> Oh, shit. All right. Let's move on to the last thing that I, I want to touch on. Uh, Cruton, uh, Notre Dame. And I had been meaning to, to, to get an article up, uh, but there's other things going on in my life uh, <laughs> just ahead of that time. But uh, but the NCAA has extended the uh, the recruiting ban basically on campus until the end of July, uh, which effectively like kills your entire summer recruiting. Um, like, like, I don't believe anybody's going to become on campus in August, uh, cause all them guys are practicing for their own teams. If they're going to have, if they're going to have seasons in high school, you got school starting up around that time all over the country, um, supposedly. Uh, so, I mean, so you've had no official visits, you know, for, for this class, Notre Dame's in a little bit of a bind. Yeah, I would say I would say so. Um, one thing that I find uh, interesting is you're limited the amount of official visits you can take to a school in a given calendar year. So, what do you think that Clemson weekends? I, I don't know what sort of restrictions they're going to place on um, the amount of recruits you can have on campus at one time. But that Clemson weekend, do you remember the 2011 recruiting weekend? It was. It, there was nothing like SC, it. There was like, the, yeah, it was the SC the new helmets. Yeah. The new helmets, amazing. night game, loss. Uh, crazy train, a loss, but they had like 50 kids on campus, including like half of the top 50 players in America. Um, and most of them, if you look at the list, I was, uh, I was actually looking at it a few days ago of like, who are the people that were it at that 2011 game? And when you look at it, almost all of them ended up going to USC. It was an all time backfire, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was, it was not like a good Iman Marshall and like all kinds of stuff. It was yeah. just, you're looking at it. You're like, Oh boy, man, we really goofed that, huh? Um, but I, I would imagine we're going to get a similar sort of recruiting sort of super weekend for that Clemson game, right? Which is a, yeah. And that's a November game. So that is still a long, long yes. ass time play. But, um, 
running back du jour Donovan Edwards, um, if you listen to the pot of gold, uh, Carter Carls is the only one who I guess is still sort of mildly bullish on him. I think Notre Dame's got a shot. And one of the reasons is that he wants to extend his uh, recruiting up until December. So up until the early signing period. So if you get him on campus uh, for that Clemson game, um, I don't know. I mean, if, if Edwards is true to that, if he stays true to that, to holding off till December, Notre Dame is a legitimate shot. Uh, yes. But that's the only shot they have with Edwards. The only uh, with, shot. It is. It's the only shot they have is to to drag this out um, because I, I mean, say whatever you want, but they, they I, to me, I felt like they lost a ton of ground uh, with him just because of going all in with Will Shipley for so long. Uh, and then that backfires and you're back to him. That's why there's so many, they started putting out so many running back offers out now. You, you got to wonder, is it because they learned their lesson with Shipley or because they, because of how hard they're hurting now after Shipley where they're, you know, there's not to say there's no guarantee, but like you, you know, you're almost certain you are way down there for Edwards. Like you're like, you're really going to have to fight your ass off for it. Uh, so you better get these other offers out. And the problem is, is that if you waited this long to put offers out and normally Notre Dame has about 188 to 200 offers out in a cycle uh, on average. And, you know, right now, I believe I, I haven't looked, I, I, mean, I guess I could real quick, but I, I think they're sitting around like 140, um, may, maybe, you know, right, right around there anyways. Uh, and so there, there's still, yeah, 139 offers. Holy shit. I'm pretty good. Um, there's 139 offers out right now. Uh, so 30 more offers out, but the guys that they've been getting out, it's just like, it, to, there's the guys that are just appreciative of the offer, but it's not really a serious offer. Like right. serious from Notre Dame. Like, Hey, we would like you. Uh, these guys are like, seriously like, Hey, thanks. But, uh, I'm like, there's so many running backs from Texas on this offer list. They're all looking at schools around that area. Uh, and again, this, this goes back to a point that I've, I've made over the weeks is that, you know, th- this whole COVID-19 thing is really putting a, uh, you know, cut Notre Dame's hamstring a little bit uh, as far as recruiting goes. Guys are committing to schools closer to them for the most part. You know, there's exceptions everywhere. And, and I'm not saying this is every, this is happening 100%. You know, they're only staying home, but in Notre Dame's case, this, it, it is hurting them that these guys can't get up to Notre Dame. I mean, it isn't just a, uh, a location thing. Like they can't get up there. They've never been around there. These guys are way over here. It wasn't just like some Saturday when they were a sophomore, you know, their dad, you know, drove an hour and a half, uh, you know, up there. It just, that's, that's not happening. So a lot of these offers going out are just kind of like, okay, uh, but where the hell are they going to go? Especially if you can't get these guys on campus. It's, it's, it's a really, it's a really tough situation. Notre Dame's, uh, 2021 recruiting class is in deep shit. Uh, as far as like, if you're look, you know, if you're looking for a top 10, uh, top 15 style class, they're in deep shit. Uh, it, it, they can certainly still pull it out, and there is plenty of time, and and there is, you know, probably still 10 more commitments to go. Um, but you know, and they're and they're highly ranked for the amount of commitments they have, anyways. I mean, so a lot of these teams that we've talked about this before, a lot of teams are ahead of them, have a lot more commitments. But getting those next guys, that's the big thing, you know. Uh, a big win so far is the fact that David Abiara hasn't decommitted. Uh, everyone was fucking 
sure as hell he was going to decommit and and head to Oklahoma. And that hasn't happened yet. And that is, the longer that has drug out, the longer it looks like uh, that may never happen. Like he may stick with Notre, <laughs> Notre Dame, that which would be a huge win. That's a that's a Texas kid uh, right there, four star defensive end. That's you're putting all these other offers out of defensive end just in case. But if you can keep him, you're sitting pretty good. But it, it's a wild shit show right now. And the fact that they have to wait so long, not, you know, with no, there's going to be no summer visits really puts them in a bind. And what better recruiting pitch is Notre Dame's campus in the summer for the university, right? That's the most, I, I guess you could argue the, the early fall, September. Um, but I mean, that campus yeah, I mean, is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, a guy like Childers will <laughs> will say that it's not Jets it's not Jetsons enough for some of these recruits. No. But here's the thing, though. Say you were from the inner city of Houston, okay, or inner or Atlanta. You know, you're from a big city city, and you go up to South Bend. Now, some kids are absolutely looking for what is comfortable to them, and that would be like bigger schools, bigger student bodies. Uh, things that they've grown accustomed to throughout their lives, you know, hustle and bustle around them. Some guys are looking for a big change. You know, they're looking for something a little different. Um, and Notre Dame obviously offers that better than a place like Oregon and Alabama. It is a different, uh, different campus. Jude, you, you live there for four years. Uh, it, it's not quite the same as uh, the campus at Ohio State. Or, or even fucking Bloomington in Indiana. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a large campus, which is kind of fun for such a small student body, which only makes the student body seem smaller. Um, <laughs> so it, it kind of, uh, it, it's a kind of a comfort blanket in a way, you know, you, you kind of feel safe, even, even out of your element. I think the one thing that I always go back to is, you know, uh, when you listen to some other podcasts and they tend to have, uh, recruits on, they asked them about what, you know, what drew them to Notre Dame, especially the ones that committed. And they always, they always mentioned campus with, within probably the first one or two things, right. You know, the people or the campus or whatever, um, you know, maybe this is just speaking too much from personal experience, but I, I felt the same exact way. The, the first time I was on Notre Dame's campus was in 1994, well before I was thinking about going to uh, college and it just, it just hits different. You know, it's just, um, it's just a, a warm, inviting feeling. And I think that a lot of people feel that same exact way. Um, and I don't know if it's the, you know, Catholic roots of mine or whatever, but, um, you know, it just, it, for some people, it just, it kind of, it feels familiar. And, you know, I'm, I was a kid that grew up in, uh, you know, a rural part of New Jersey. So it wasn't unlike, uh, Notre Dame. I was kind of offset from, uh, from South Bend and, and kind of, you know, something a little bit more dense, but, um, you know, I didn't feel like it was that hard. And obviously surrounded by a bunch of other white kids were probably upper middle class, probably didn't hurt either. Uh, but you know, it just, you know, there's, there's a, there's a safe feeling there. And so I think that, you know, I agree with the, the majority of people that have said that, you know, you can do 110 virtual visits. You can connect every kid to, you know, a, a sponsor at school or a fellow class in the, in the kid in the recruiting class or whatever, but these kids have to visit these campuses. And so I loved with the, the, I think it was the O-line prospected, right. Who was like, I'm just going to go to the campus. I can't see anybody. I can't interact with anybody, but I'm just like, yeah, Tristan Bounds. Out. Yeah. Tristan Bounds. Who's like, 
And I think Carter Carls wrote a good story about this, an ND insider, if you guys want to check it out. But he basically got in a car, went to Notre Dame, and I think hit up Michigan the next day or maybe yeah. the day. He was yeah. at Michigan the day before. The day before. Okay. Yeah. So he – look, do you get the full program if nobody's taking you around? Uh, no. But but yes, you know, and so look, the grotto is still the grotto. I don't know that you need somebody to point it, you know, to to explain it all to you. Maybe it would be helpful, but it's still kind of a, a piece of, you know, work when you get down there and you check it out. The Golden Dome is still going to be impressive, whether somebody's telling you about how many times it's been gilted or, you know, or, <laughs> or the artwork on the inside or whatever, you know. So, um, yeah, it, it's the tour that doesn't need the tour guide in a lot of cases. Yeah, so I I, I, mean, I you need to know where it's at. But if you're just walking around, you and maybe it's even more awe-inspiring. Uh, you know, th- think about that for a second, Jude. That you're just walking, and you go down, the, and like all of a sudden there's the grotto. Like you go down the steps, you turn around, like oh man, like that. You know, because that kind of comes out of nowhere when you're coming, uh, coming from that that direction. You know, like from the administration building. Um, you know, maybe it hits a little harder. Yeah, I mean, it th- I think the cool thing about the grotto is like you know, a lot of people accidentally kind of stumble into it because they're, fo- they're sort of blindly following the crowd. They're like, Oh, people are going down these steps. I guess I'll go, go down these steps. I guess this is going to lead to somewhere. And it's all of a sudden you're at the grotto, you know? So, um, yeah, I just, uh, look, I think this is super helpful for, for Notre Dame. And, you know, I hope there's more kids like Tristan Bounce who are just like, look, I don't know that I have an inordinate amount of time to wait, especially if I want to re- uh, wrap up my recruitment before my football season may start. Um, so I just, I just need to, even if it's an incomplete picture, I need to get somewhat of a better sense because you talk to, you hear from these guys all the time. And this happened in the 1980s and the 1990s with some of Lou Holtz's best people. I thought Notre Dame was in California. I thought Notre Dame, I didn't know where Notre Dame was on a map. I thought Notre Dame was in Texas. I didn't, you know, I couldn't have told you that it was in Northwest Indiana. If you'd, you know, if you'd spotted me in three States, you know? And it's just it's it's a foreign entity to people, and they gotta they gotta see they gotta feel it they gotta see it. It's just um, it hits it, it's a it's a big part of the draw. Now, I think our friend Greg, a uh, friend of the pod, Greg Flamon from UHND, said in, our, in a chat that we have with him pretty much every day that look, you can't make campus do all of the work for you. Okay, so at no. the end of the day, like if you if 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 you know like you're missing your ace of spades or whatever, you still got to play with the cards you've been dealt, right? And so that means putting in the work that a lot of the other coaches have been willing to do and and doing the kind of things. And I and I saw the other day somebody took a virtual visit or whatever. I don't know what that entails. Um, the kids seemed excited about it, so that's fine. Um, yeah, but, they're excited. It's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, as long as, they're, as long as they're excited and happy, that, that's a good thing. But, you know, how much better could it have been if it wasn't virtual? Right. right. I can take a virtual tour to the Amazon jungle, but it doesn't replicate going it ain't to the, the Amazon, Amazon jungle. jungle. It ain't right? ridiculous, right? You're not, you're yeah. not, watching, not they're wondering if you're going to get fucking swallowed by an anaconda. No, I mean, you. I mean, there is no J-Lo and that's there is no the Ice thrill. Cube. Where's Owen Wilson? There's not even Owen Wilson there. You don't even yeah. have Owen Wilson there. You know what I'm scared of most? I heard in the Amazon that it, if you pee in the water, that there's these little uh, like a bug or something that goes. Oh, up it's a in, fish. Right oh, up fish, your yeah. urethra. Yeah, you oh, yeah. Up yeah, that's that's what scares me more than anything. Yeah, I had an ex-girlfriend that uh, that went down in the Amazon for like six months. Um, she this was before we dated. So I didn't like we didn't break up and she went to the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I have to find myself in the Amazon. Yeah, I think it's a it's a <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it wasn't quite like that. But uh, she, she had mentioned that, uh, st- you know, just stuff like that and just like constantly on the outlook for for anything moving. Maybe a wind move a moved a leaf. But in essence, it's a, it's a giant fucking snake in the tree or, or some shit. I wouldn't yeah, last 45 minutes in the Amazon. You're more likely to get, yeah, probably a Kandiru up the old uh, pea shoot than you are an anaconda. So, Jude, you're not wrong. <laughs> I just love that once it gets in there, it ex- like basically expands. It's like, this is my home now. Uh, like, this, uh, it's like a cat in a box. Like, the I am not zone, sitting comfortable. Serling couldn't have written shit that was more scary than that. No, I'm this sorry. Is, this is H.P. Lovecraft. This is this is Eldritchian horror. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, and. <laughs> To get back on to, re- <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not too sure. I don't. This is rehashing twenty. Maybe we need to group Amazon a little bit more. Um, but uh, you know, actually, uh, my uh, was it my junior year, my junior year in high school. I think maybe yeah, my junior or senior year. I can't remember which one. We had a foreign exchange student from Portugal uh, come up. Uh, not from Portugal, sorry, from Brazil. Uh, they speak Portuguese. Uh, come up, and this motherfucker was a giant. He was like six foot fucking nine, six foot ten, beefy. This is a guy looked like a five, looked like a five star fucking offensive lineman. Never played football in his life, right? But we're all like talk him in, like, dude, you need to go out, like, do something. Look, you're fucking twice the size of all of us. You're massive. Uh, he goes out like day one, blows out both of his fucking knees. <laughs> He's on crutches oh, no. for the rest of his time <laughs> in the U.S. <laughs> Poor guy. Alex Benito, I think was his name. Great guy. Super, super happy giant. Uh, but to get back to the subject. Wait of a hand. second. His name was Alex Benito. So when he blew up both of his knees, did you call him Finito Benito? <laughs> we did not. And which is strange because we're cruel as fuck in Hicksville. <laughs> <We're> not, <laughs> not even blown Nito. You could have gone blow Nito. There's oh man. Oh, blow Nito. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I'm gonna talk to some friends about what, what the why the hell are we so stupid? Can you go looking back up on Facebook and be like, I got a 20 year old burn I've been dying to tell you about. Oh, it's old. I Alex. just pictured I pictured Josh like fully bearded, waiting at an airport, like like Jack and Lost. We gotta go back. <laughs> uh, no, it was a full stash uh, at that age, <laughs> which is quite awful, but uh, it is what it is. But back to the subject matter at hand. <laughs> uh, I think I and and we'll kind of wrap this up with this a little bit. But I think it's important for people to to know. And despite my doom and gloom for the class, and and, and we, which is a legit, I, there's legit reasons why there's things going on and why this class may not end up the way we had all hoped it would be. But there is hope as well because uh, you know of something that has been pointed out on this show and in other places before we're going to, we are going to see a mass amount of decommitments coming up this fall. Once players are able to finally take official visits, they're not going to not take them. I mean, you got five on your plate. There's a lot of those guys that still want to go see what else is out there. And regardless of if a coach, wants, like Davo Sweeney plays hardball, you're not committed. If you, if you take a visit, they may just say, well, you know what? Fuck you. I, I never even visited you. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go. I'm a, I got to go find these visits out. It's a different world we're living in. So if that happens and, and which you, there's a good, you know, there's, 
it's good logic to think that there will be a lot. You know, guys are out looking visits and decommitting. Notre Dame does have a a pretty good chance with some guys if you get them on campus. But that's the thing; you have to get them up there. And you know, you're not going to be able to get like, you know, 50 guys. I mean, you, maybe you will be able to get 50 guys up there for the Clemson game, and maybe you can flip five of those guys if they're committed elsewhere. I don't know, uh, but. I'm just saying there is a it isn't all over with uh, certainly by any means sitting here. It, by the time you listen to it, it'd be June. This podcast is June 1st. Uh, recruiting ain't over with. Um, no. What it you know, it might end up making this, you know, something we've got used to over the over the last few years is the early signing period. Right. And Notre Dame's pretty much done with their class, as as is a lot of schools across the country in December. It may revert. It may look more like the old days. Uh, with guys waiting until February to sign uh, with all this going on. Uh, so there's still a lot of time. It's just a matter if Notre Dame can get some of these guys, uh, you, you know, that are, even if they're committed elsewhere to come and take a visit, you know, get them, get them to get on that plane and come up whenever you can get them up. And, and then what you sell them and, w- and what you show them that way. Um, if they haven't been, you know, a lot of the guys that commit, to places. Once you commit, you like you're, you're in that chat group with other commits. You you're taking unofficial visits all the time up there. Uh, you know, Notre Dame has that happen all the time. You know, you'll see certain recruits that are there every, every Saturday, uh, for games and stuff like that. But you know, these guys, if they haven't been doing that, mm, there's a pretty good chance you might be able to flip them. And, and you know, the same goes with Notre Dame's commits, uh, you know, a guy like Lorenzo styles, who, you know, seems pretty locked in now, but, you know, hey, he also seems like a guy that is, you know, has options on the table that that he may explore. Um, and so, you know, you take the good with the bad and bad with the good. Uh, but I, it's certainly not over by any means, but it just, it, it is not looking good right now. I lost it I don't have anything else to add. I think that's a I good thought you were gonna, to, I thought you were going to sing the Facts of Life theme song. <laughs> you know that that was playing in my fucking head while I was singing that. Yeah, right? Yeah. I, I'm seeing Blair right next to me right now. I mean, I'd rather see Blair than something crawl up my cock and, and blow up on me in the river. I thought you were gonna say I'd rather see Blair than Tootie, and I was gonna call you <laughs> out for your No, 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 no. Uh no. Your team Tootie? No, I thought you were gonna say Miss Garrett. Girls, oh, girls, yeah. girls. Yeah. <laughs> who was the other one? Uh, Mindy? Uh, or was Joe. That the actress? Joe. 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 Yeah, Joe. That was the tomboy. Yeah. No, and then there was. <sighs> Man, that's a long time ago. Yeah, I only caught it on the old Nick at night. <sighs> Is it still on Nick at night? I don't know. I don't even know if Nick at night still exists. I don't think it does. I know Nickelodeon still exists. Yeah, they sure do. But now I think that it would be on just TV land. It would just it just it's just Paw Patrol twenty four seven. Nick at Nick at night for me is like Green Acres, Mister um, Ed, uh, I Love Lucy. Right, that was Mark like Mindy. Mork and Mindy, yeah. My golden age of Nick at night was uh, it went uh, Cheers, Roseanne, Facts of Life, and Cosby Show. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're a few years past Jude and I. On that it was like ninety nine, two thousand. I miss I miss the shows like after school. 
not just like uh, not just like GI Joe and you talk about the specials. Uh, well, I mean, just like uh, like watching the Munsters or Adam's oh. Family. Oh, right, or, right. Uh, you know, I mean that Gilligan's Island. Watch, uh, yeah, I was never a big Gilligan's Island, but like a bit huge into or uh, lost yeah, Munsters, Adam's Family, Quantum Leap was another one that was on a lot. Quincy uh, MD. I was not a big Little House on the Prairie fan. Oh, I don't God. think anyone was. Highway to Heaven? Not a big Highway to Heaven fan. <laughs> Although, what's funny is I became a, uh, what is that, Seventh Heaven? Like a Seventh Heaven fan, like five years after they canceled it. I can't remember what channel it was on. Uh, and my wife's like, why are you fucking watching this? I'm like, why wouldn't I watch this? The CW, maybe? I don't know. It feels like back, a it would have been the U, UPN back then, right? Oh yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't recall. I just remember. I mean, it had been. It had long been over with. And, I, and my wife's like, "Why are you watching this? I'm like, why not? I've never seen it before." <laughs> so, and yeah, in Fort Wayne there was there was this uh, show on Fox called uh, called Happy's Place, and they had this clown, Happy the Hobo, and I gotta tell you, the guy was a drunk. Uh, first and foremost, but it, was a, but it was a huge like thing. Of like, like you go there for your birthday, <laughs> but they had, you know, the best, it was like, they'd show like the three or four hottest cartoons of the time during this, uh, the show had this frog called froggy and froggy's place. He was, I guess froggy kind of talks like me now. Like, Hey kids, I don't know if you're from Fort Wayne and you listen to this fucking show or, the Fort Wayne area, you know goddamn well what I'm talking about. Happy's Place was the shit. Uh, and it was way better than uh, Bozo and uh, WGN. Oh, fuck, the, fuck Bozo. Fuck WGN. Like, fuck the Cubs. Fuck the Cubs. <laughs> Fucking, uh, fuck Sandberg. See, the Cub, Cubs are the Braves. I think like, we just lost half, half our list. The Cubs are the Braves down my throat my entire life. It's Ted Turner and whoever <sighs> owns the WGN. Bozo. I think Bozo owned WGN, right? <laughs> who is his? Who is Bozo's uh, right hand clown? Uh, Milky the clown. Is that what? Is that the name? I have no idea. I just remember not being excited when Bozo was on. <laughs> yeah, I just you couldn't get into that. Good. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up. We're we are talking about Amazon uh, dick uh, predators and uh, cloud. <laughs> we are really uh, we are really wiping the bottom of the barrel here. So, Jude, uh, anything you uh, you got to send us out with? Yeah, I just have a mini update about this uh, story that I wrote uh, back in 2018 about uh, a lost that you just actually referenced. Um, yeah. So Notre Dame's lost rivalry trophy, if you've read One Foot Down for more than a year, you know as, as the Notre Dame Northwestern trophy. It's not actually lost. It's actually just in Omaha, Nebraska, in a private collection. Um, and I was, uh, I've been acquiring a Notre Dame football programs recently on eBay, and I actually stumbled across a, a wire photo of um, Stu Holcomb, who was at the time the athletic director in uh, 1959, uh, getting the shillelagh back from uh, Moose Krause at a basketball game uh, in Evanston. Um, and the last line actually uh, caught me. It said, well, they call it, it said, accepts the forgotten shillelagh. And they put that in quotation marks. And it said, the shillelagh traditionally goes to the winner of Notre Dame Northwestern football game. But since the Irish won the last game in 1948, the symbol had been forgotten until now. 
So basically, they didn't play between 48 and 59. So they played 59, and that, that's an era team. And uh, Northwestern wins. And Notre Dame doesn't turn over the shillelagh because uh, Notre Dame <laughs> forgot about it. So they find it, and they give it to them at a basketball game uh, in December, uh, a couple months after they played the game. So I just thought it was really funny that um, <laughs> long before they actually gave up the ghost – not long before, but a couple years before they gave up the ghost, they had already forgotten that they had this such a rivalry trophy. This clearly meant a lot to that both poor, sides. That poor that's on trophy. that's that, on Moose Cross, though, right? That is directly yeah, that, on that, Moose Cross. That would fall into his. I would that fall. I mean, he's the one handed over. I just I, I think Jack Swarbrick's in charge, basically of uh, you know of Notre Dame's rivalry trophies in a way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man. That what yeah, happened? Just a reminder that um, that Joe, the guy who owns the rivalry trophy, I think was offered what was it? A couple of football tickets, a picture with Brian Kelly for, for the for the trophy that he paid twelve thousand dollars for. I mean, like it clearly was not a, a good faith offer. Um, so a he's, couple he's of ho- tickets and a picture with Brian Kelly. Yeah, uh, he he had uh, jokingly asked for a, for an honorary doctorate, which. They said no to, which I was actually pretty glad about that they would say no to that, uh, <laughs> seeing that there are that they do think that the doctorate means something. Uh, but did he say that he would just be willing just to be reimbursed, like for what he paid for it? Uh, I I think that yeah I I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think there was a um, you know look if you're interested in this, I'm sure we can make a deal for it. You know what I mean? But I, I think Notre Dame by their offer prove that they were only just just very mildly interested in it you know and it's so too bad it's too bad because and, and really um, the ball would have been more in northwestern's court because they had won the last game because this was this was all before notre dame played northwestern uh in 2000 and what was that 2018 yeah 2018 yeah, yeah. 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 this is this all before the north that northwestern game 2018 and so prior we had to go back to the 2014 game and Northwestern had won that. So this was really owned by Northwestern at the time. Uh, I cannot, I mean, maybe I can believe it, but I mean, it's a big 10 school where rivalry trophies are a thing. Uh, they're a big thing. Why Northwestern who would own it that time and be able to laud it over, uh, the heads of Notre Dame, why they do this, why they wouldn't go after that. And well, this, uh, I think, to me, I think he had is... said it with, he had a reply saying it, it wasn't in their budget. Right. So make it in your budget. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is this to me was a continuation of the, the Steve Boda near fiasco, which is that Steve Boda, who is literally thanked in every media guide from basically the first media guide onward uh, as being the person who did all of the legwork to figure out the Notre Dame records because they had the, the right. university had no sense of its football records. Uh, he had the alphabetical listing of all the players and the years in which they played and, and they received letters. Uh, he had all sorts of things, all sorts of information that they did not have. He had a vol- uh, voluminous file that he tried uh, multiple times to just give to Notre Dame and they never picked up. And so when he got st- stuck at the end of his life and he had a bunch of medical bills, he sold it to a, a, a guy who was, you know, basically on consignment or he did a consignment with a dude. And then uh, they reached out to Notre Dame and Notre Dame was like willing to let their entire history go, which was just like absolutely shameful. Um, And so thankfully, uh, Barry, 
from Utah stepped in and, and purchased the collection and donated it to the archives. And now, thanks to Barry's generosity, uh, you can actually look up Steve Boda's work. And this is a guy who he literally did the play by play. He wrote down the play by play for games in the 1930s and 40s that you can't get anywhere else than at that, those archives. So incredible. Um, and for them to, to have said, like, it doesn't mean that much to us. It's just, it's flabbergasting, but you know, it, it is what it is. Right. So I'm just, it is I, what it is. I'm just glad that the, the trophy still exists. I, as far as I haven't talked to Joe in probably a year, but I, I assume it's still in his possession. Um, and so I, it's, it's a great, it's a great little talking point and a show piece. And, and I really wish somebody would take it a little bit more seriously uh, than it was taken in 2018. Like, isn't there an alum out there? Like, I don't have the money. If I had the money, I, Joe, I would, I would have got this from Joe already. And then I just would have like dropped it off up in the press box, like forced Notre Dame to take it back. You should have brought but, it on the field. And then you could have been well, the exa- only person to have a shillelagh exa- on the yeah, field associated with Notre Dame. Yeah, right. You're, you're absolutely dead right on that one. But I mean, that, somebody got some coin that you're ready to get rid of that you're just sitting there. You know, you don't want to, and you're like, I'm not going to give to charity, but Maybe I'll just go grab this rivalry trophy. Uh, I, I say do it. <laughs> I say fucking YOLO, man. Just go go get the damn trophy. I mean, I don't know what we're talking in terms of acquisition cost. You know, maybe $15,000, $20,000 settles the whole thing. That's a that's a speck in the budget, you know. And obviously in a revenue strap year, maybe this isn't isn't the time to do it, but it definitely was the time to do it before that 2018 game. I think and they should have brought it back. name alum out there who you don't quite have the coin to get your name on a building, but oh. you got enough coin to do something. I mean, this is some real history shit. I mean, this is something, if you do it, number one, I will make sure the world knows who you fucking are uh, as best as I can because uh, I will put you up as a hero. Uh, so, you know, we'll do a third hero podcast that, and it'll just be dedicated to you. That's that's my deal to you, <laughs> to you, dear sir, out there with uh, extra coin that can't get a name on a building. Uh, we'll make sure that uh, everyone knows you brought the the lost shillelagh home. <laughs> I mean, the one thing we did was when the Boda collection was up for sale, um, I, I started a GoFundMe and I think I think our goal was ten thousand dollars. And people from all across were chipping in. I mean, I, I was doing quite a, a wide reach. Obviously, I let Jeff Swarbrick know, although he never responded. So I'm, I'm not truly surprised by that. But just, you know, let the archives know that this is what we were working on. And they were like, well, it's not as easy as you think it is. But, um, you know, but they were they were willing to at least hear me out. And then and then Barry, uh, Barry, I think his name's Toon. Uh, surface from from utah and actually purchased the whole thing which was great um and he got the the headline which but, but i was thrilled because it, it kept it in the possession and those those files weren't in great shape but um at least they were saved so i, I there's somebody out there who has this kind of money um and so i would ha- be happy to cl- to connect them with joe uh if they if they have a twenty thousand dollars burning a hole in their pocket because i bet you joe would listen to them all right, Brendan, you got something to, get, to head out with? How, how am I supposed to follow up Jude's fantastic <laughs> shillelagh story? That's, a, that's our fact, challenge most weeks. It is It is definitely very challenging. Um, other than the fact that after I learn how to rescreen all of my windows, I'm going to learn how to build a coffin. Uh, so then <laughs> I can, uh, next time we have a podcast, 
uh, explain that I have contributed to Notre Dame a new rivalry trophy uh, that will be inaugurally uh, initiated on, uh, what, October 17th this year when Notre Dame travels to uh, Heinz Field? Uh, I think that date seems right. I'm, I'm yeah. all for it. I don't believe it was coffin size. I believe it was more like uh, urn size, but. Oh, I can uh, get on board with an urn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's more. A trophy. No, no, no. <laughs> Damn it. I'm sorry. The rivalry urn? Oh, God. Yeah. Some trophies have to be earned. Damn it. I didn't. Oh. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you fucking nailed it. You nailed it right there. <laughs> oh, man. I can't top any of that shit. Think of the situation I'm in now. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, again, get those ratings, reviews uh, over to us over on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. I am begging you guys to do this. I want to get up to at least uh, 200 ratings uh, by the time the season rolls around, uh, assuming we we have a season. And look, I'm just I'm going to assume all my assumptions are based on we're having a season. So uh, I'm going to stop uh, putting that caveat there uh but uh leave a leave a review and we will read that uh on the on the next show uh so yeah there's it's business as usual over at one foot down uh it is business as usual for me starting this week which is quite unfortunate uh as i uh step away from my quarantine life uh which i've grown quite accustomed to (laughs) over the last few months uh but uh that's for that's for another time So uh, thanks again and go Irish.